The Spiritual Scientist podcast is joined today by Sean McLeod. Sean's a musician, songwriter, and author with a deep interest in philosophy and particularly the work of Rudolf Steiner. And he teaches film, music, and media studies at Limerick College in Ireland. And he's finished off a PhD at the University of Limerick um, regarding music and anthroposophy. Uh, I can't think of anything better I'd rather do a PhD on. Um, And Sean's the author of a couple of books, uh, The Girl Groups of the 60s and a book on Phil Spector. And a new book, which I've had the privilege of having a little scan of, of at least had a scan of the contents page, (laughs) Um, uh, and that's on the Beatles. It's called uh, Behind the Wall of Illusion, the Religious, Esoteric and Occult World of the Beatles, or Worlds of the Beatles. Maybe I got that wrong. Anyway, welcome, Sean. Thanks very much for joining me. Um, First thing I want to ask you is, are you going to ruin my... uh, lifelong love of the Beatles with your with your uh, with your book <laughs> uh well maybe in what in what way would I ruin it <laughs> no I don't I, like, I what, don't know no what's no, your ro- perspective on, no no ro- wrong wrong like, question wrong question to start with basically <laughs> no no please just no, no. Um... it's a good question I think because um it's interesting to see what I, I I don't I don't know what the um you know my perspective on the Beatles was you, you know I think it's um when when I was eleven as I was just telling you earlier um I was sitting watching it actually a television program called Fame I don't know if you remember it from the nineteen eighties and um, well anyway this episode they had a a guest singer on it a guest um. He he was a story about this boy who had problems in school, and at the end, he sings this song, and you know my solar plexus just kind of went kind of crazy. And um, but at the end of the song, I I kind of knew the song. I hadn't heard it before, but um, I I I I kind of rushed home and um, found the sheet music that we had at home, and it. it was Penny Lane and because they mentioned it was Penny Lane's song. I found it, I knew it was a Beatles song then. And uh so it wasn't the Beatles singing it or anything. It was this just this guy who turned out to be um Jimmy Osmond, Jimmy Osmond. And uh you can see see the clip on YouTube. Um it was just accompanied with piano. And uh the next day I went into I was coming home from school and there used to be this kind of record shop the days there were record shops i think it was called music man and i used to book pass it every day and uh there was a copy of um the beatles rock and roll volume two for i think a pound you know just in front of me as i walked through the aisle of the supermarket of the store and um i went home and i got a pound off my mum and the next day i went and i bought it and i brought it home and i put it on and this my whole life just changed you know like every song was just yeah it was just incredible and and late years later i ended up listening i heard rock and roll volume one and i kind of thought if that had been on the stand and i bought that i don't think i would ever have been a really a beatles fan because it was all these really early recordings and um you know the 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 mixture of stuff wasn't as as wide, and um, 
they were kind of old rock and roll covers. It it it's not as good an album in, by any stretches of the imagination as the volume two is, which which goes from you know some hard days nights songs right up to you know get back stuff. And I, I really, you know, I, so from the point of view of Anthroposophy, there is a moment of, you know, um, your karma or your destiny coming to meet, to meet you. And I, I very definitely mm. had that, that, that sense of that was, um, you know, being set on a, on a journey at, at that okay. moment. And I'm, and I'm still on this journey which which happened with that song um and and is a similar thing that happened with anthroposophy i think my introduction to anthroposophy not as as profound i don't think um and also a similar thing with literature which is why i kind of got interested in literature but that 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 moment is is so profound for me that that tv show and um so so the Beatles have always been a really positive experience for me, you, you know, um, and uh, so that's why I'm wondering when you when you say that, I I, I guess you also mean they were they were a huge positive, yeah, yeah absolutely, for you. absolutely, yeah. So Dad played in bands, and we always had those Beatles records, you know, in the house, and it was just I think I've got a very early memory of it was about. I think I was about 10, nine or 10 years old and I had the Sergeant Pepper's uh, LP and a friend of mine, uh, Mick McCann and myself, we just listened to it over and over and over again. And it's just, if I hear it now, it's just this magical, magical time. And I, when I first heard it, I was always thinking I couldn't work out which bit I wanted to do. I wanted to sort of, what, whatever I heard on there, I wanted to be able to do it. And I couldn't think, couldn't work out if I wanted to sing that bit or play the guitar on that bit or play the bass on that. Bit. I couldn't work out what to do, but I had to do something with it. And that, you know, I think it partly led me to become a a songwriter as well, singer songwriter. But um, I'd be really interested, interested to know how you sort of tie together or bring together in this book that you're, that you're, that's coming out. Um, the pop music world or the the world of the Beatles and the the spiritual stuff, if you know what I mean, for want of a better term. But yeah. there's a lot. It's I've had a, as I say, I've had a look through the book and it looks really dense and and interesting, uh, dense in a good way. <laughs> um, yeah. But a cup, you know, a couple of couple of points. But maybe if you want to just um, yeah, mention a little bit about how those things come together, anthroposophy and the Beatles. Well, I guess, yeah, that's the, the, as I was saying there, I think for me, it was when, when I often read anthroposophy and this, this um, super sensible wor world, this other world that is behind, are infused with this world in a way that we tend to ignore a lot. As I'm saying, as I was saying that, that that experience I had even as 11, I became aware of the fact that there are things working within this world that, you know, they, we don't, we don't see them in the same materialistic way that we see the physical world, but you can feel those very definite and very precise, um, uh, um, you know, links 
um, uh, connections, um, you know, uh, that that weave through our lives. You know, so as I, as I was saying, like there's the song. It was seeing that that particular album that was there. You know, it wasn't. I didn't have to go into the shop and try and find, you know. <laughs> be the Beatles and look through albums and go, which one will I, which will I buy? It was there, there saying, here I am, you know, this is your, a door has been opened. And if it had been volume one, I, I don't think I would have had the same experience. So something behind orchestra, something orchestrated all those events, you know, mm-hmm. and it was very clear to me as I was going through this process, um, that this was all happening, you know, and and um, so that's the first thing, just my own experience of it. Like, so I can really understand Steiner talking about these things because I I had that experience on a number of le- levels, but that one particularly, and I think it's it's very important to become aware of these events in our lives. Um, because uh, recently I read Steiner talks about there are two impulses. One that comes from the moon. And this is a, like a moon impulse where destiny comes to meet you. And then the sun impulse where we we go to meet our destiny and how we do that and um, how we take hold of it. And so for me, I, I got interested in wanting to be a songwriter, a bit like what you were, were saying there, Mick. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, I was made study study the piano, like like you, your piano lessons or your classical piano, and I I didn't really understand why I was doing this, like, and it didn't mean anything to me. Um, but once the Beatles that experience happened, a door opened up, and and I realized it's it's great to to. I guess maybe later, I was a little bit older when I when I realized it's great to play these classical pieces and all, but it's not part of my destiny really. It's it's a, a simple pop songs in a, in a way is, and I think when we when we stick with those th- those things that we were being asked to do, then we don't get caught up in our, you, you know, we, we are aware of those destiny moments and stick to them. We don't get caught up in the intellectualism, the problems in our that we create in our head and get in our own way, and um, and so, uh, you know, th- so I I these sun forces I I took that destiny moment and I started to learn how to write songs and and make my own music and um, uh, so so fr- from that perspective I could really understand. Steiner, what he's what he's talking about. How does on a on a on a on another level that's not just my personal experience, I think anthroposophy is in everything, you know? It's the entire it's everything that we live in, you know. But so so I I sometimes I find with anthroposophy because Steiner died when when he, the time he died, it's a little bit like not not all anthroposophists, but there is a tendency, I think, to. I mean, uh, another friend, anthroposophist friend of mine, once said, "You know, uh, how many how many light bulb, how many anthroposophists does it take to change a light bulb?" Do you know? Do you know this joke? No, I don't know this one. 
no knows because Steiner never talked about changing light bulbs. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think this, you know, so he didn't talk about the Beatles, obviously. Mm. Um, and he didn't talk about World War II and he didn't talk about what's happening today, is, it, it, obviously. Um, and that's up to us then to bring anthroposophy in a way and spiritual science into our the world we're living in today. And um, so I, I think, you know, the 60s definitely was a very rich cultural period and it and it needs to be looked at from I, the perspective of a spiritual science um okay and, yeah. and, I, and, and while i think the beatles for me were hugely positive and i think at the time it, they seemed to bring a tremendous amount of joy to a lot of people's lives at the time um i think one can say they are a very positive force um nearly like a sun force you know for that for the 60s the early 60s particularly and then i think things seem to change somewhere along the way um and when i look begin to look deeper into into the beatles the music the 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 culture it's as it starts to change and and it, it in the individual characters in the the story it starts to become a little bit more shadowy in a way mm-hmm. and that's quite interesting as well um because there is always a shadow and the shadow is um you know uh, it, it's important to to help us move on in a way so I, I did not to to um destroy your <laughs> no 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 the sun image of the Beatles. I think it's good to to um and actually it affected me looking at certain things where you think, oh God, um do I really want to go here and, and explore this area? Um but you but you do, you just say, okay, this is the way it is and that's okay, you know. Uh and uh so so ultimately, yeah, I, I wanted to really know what was behind was it a, a, a positive force behind the Beatles, or was there as some people start to you hear a lot of these, you know, negative elements, um whether there was like Tabastock mind control behind it or um other forces at work or um you know destroying old values pre-war values and have have where they responsible in a way for for the breakdown of the family for the you know the inverting things in society and stuff like that uh, they're all big questions i think that you can't really say yes or no it's um in, in some ways, yeah, and that some ways that's good, and other ways, I don't think so. You, you know, so yeah, I was trying to now give this perspective. I think, and yeah, and I think great. one thing, I think one thing, another thing as well is, I think this idea of consciousness, soul, I think really, I, I feel really is connected with the sixties, but and with this music, for um the general masses you know 
I think in a way, the 60s was uh, working class people, everyday people. It, it wasn't, whereas, you know, in the ancient mysteries, you had to be an initiate of some, an initiation into an awakening um, of, of some sort. And it seemed to me that an interest in esoteric knowledge and, um, you know, the, 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 having a, a sense of a strong sense of I and you you know your your philosophers like Hegel and maybe your poets like Coleridge or you know they they had this um capacity but um and maybe if you were educated in that sense you were you were given a privilege to awaken your 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 higher faculties in a way but I I think really the, the 60s in a way allowed that to, it was a kind of i think an initiation for for ev for everybody you, you, particularly in the western world on one level it was everybody suddenly woke up to the fact that they could all be artists they could all express their story through um music or film or um uh, uh, painting or 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 theater or whatever area they wanted and i think that was you know it, it was a, it was wasn't open to everybody then but i think the beatles in a way represented that that you could be working class um you didn't have to go to a conservatoire of music or you didn't have to anybody could it, it was the democratization of the way of being allowed to have access to higher realms of knowledge and and I think that is initiated through the, the, a lot of the music of the 60s and, and the Beatles as well, you know. I don't know if you'd agree with me in, in, in that, but... Yeah, um, I don't know if I've thought about it that way, actually, before. I have, you know, like you are saying before, I think it's a great way to answer that question. I sort of was kind of joking with my question at the start about, you know, um, are you going to ruin my, my uh, conception of the Beatles, these childhood childhood heroes but but the way you've answered the question is to show that you know there is this sun-like element to them but also possibly this other element and um yeah to come to the point of asking about the 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 revolution in a sense cultural revolution of the 60s i, I don't have a firm opinion on it you know you do get the the crowd that that sort of suggests before you know before that time it was family values and you know the the family unit was was still secure that you know our institutions were still strong all that kind of stuff i don't know I, I don't know if that's really true or not um i'm sort of i'm sort of open to open to different opinions about that and when you talk about as well you know some people talk about the beatles being a um a kind of a result of tavistock the Tavistock thing and that, that actually they're controlled and everything like that. I mean, maybe, maybe the powers that be took what was there and started to steer it in their own directions. I don't know, but um, yeah, no, I just, I'm just really interested to hear your, your perspectives on it. Yeah. So I think it, it seems that, um, you, you know, because in, in, in Britain and America, I think um, I, I guess Terry Boardman would would be more of an authority on this, but uh, that uh, you know a lot of I mean John Lennon said they were the first generation not to be sent off to die, <laughs> and, 
And that's quite a <laughs> remarkable thing to say, you know, that the generation before them was sent off to 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 be shot at in World War Two, and the generation before them was sent off to World War One. Um, and uh, I think definitely that if you if we take um, anthroposophy as a as a kind of um, a signpost as to where things are, um. And and Terry talked about this in the last episode in your interview with him there recently, of the coming of age of humanity in the 20, 20th and now the twenty first century, um, that if anthroposophy suddenly kind of enters the the, the scene just before um the you know the twentieth century. Um, and we have the lifting of Kali Yuga and the Michael Age and th this, um, you know, the 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 as we begin to enter more deeply into these kind of, the time seems right for this spiritual awakening, um, and um, you know, young people are. And it's been distorted by these wars and these things that are happening within Europe and America, particularly, um, and young people are being sent off to, to, um, you know, to die really. Um, then the first opportunity for for them to suddenly have their, 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 um, you know, their say to become their own identities um is really in the 60s so um and i and i think you know it, it's it's uh family values uh, i mean i don't think it's to say that maybe families didn't have their problems and uh but i think i i i don't think people were as aware of themselves as individuals um in in general you know um, there are definitely people who were aware of themselves as individuals, but as I said, I think they were like the poets and the philosophers and these group, these people. Um, and your your everyday person wasn't so so much so, you know, and um, and so I think that's quite remarkable as well for the Beatles for for these young guys to suddenly. Um, begin to see themselves as um having a, having their identity and um and I think even even prior to that you know um I don't I don't know if pe even people like Elvis and that were so conscious of their own identity in the same way you know uh, right. um, and it's what's interesting about that I think as well is because the media, um, particularly television and, and and this kind of thing, seems to reflect back to people this sense of their their identity. And and what I, what I mean by that is, I think today we've become so self conscious because of 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 our our media, particularly social media, mm -hmm. um, and and anybody can now be on the on the TV, like, like now, <laughs> like right now. And, um, yeah. so, so they're so, um, caught up with their own self 
identity, like a hyper self. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when you look at the Beatles, they didn't really have that, you know, because they were only beginning to become, they were the kind of start of this self-conscious, self-reflective, looking at themselves constantly through through the medium of television or um and because when you start to see this development through pop culture you 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 realize the bands and the artists start becoming more and more self-conscious and Mm. and you can see it in how they are photographed and you know they've learned how to do this yeah that's right i was just thinking about that those early interviews with the beatles like when they you know they're first standing in front of a camera or even Bob Dylan, when he first, you see him really young, he's first in front of the camera, they're asking him questions. He's got, he's not pretending to be anything. He's not styling himself in any, in any way, or maybe he's got an idea of how he wants to come across, but he's, they're so, they seem so sort of just natural and um, even naive a little bit. And it's, it's really endearing actually to look back at those things. And then, as you say, you compare them to the, the stars of today who know exactly how to stand to look you know, so that their body looks yeah. the right, <laughs> with the right pose and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, this is really interesting what you're saying about this cultural change. So with the sixties being uh, like an awakening, I mean, of course, a lot of people, it, it, it it's, if it was an awakening, it kind of didn't work <laughs> in the end, you know, I, I mean, it didn't kind of wake the whole of humanity up and now we're all purely enlightened enlightened beings or anything like that so what what do you think if I, if I can ask about that what do you think happened did something was there some other aspect that came in and took hold of what was what could have been a positive thing yeah i mean actually it's an interesting question because um you know um so steiner talks about the christ experience having the christ experience um from the 1930s, the Christ in the etheric realm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess there are some who feel that, um, you know, the Nazis in the World War II and, and this thing was the kind of a, a shadow over that for humanity to have this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder, in a way, did... Now, this is just me wondering. I don't have a definite question. It's something I think I'd kind of try to explore a little bit in one of the chapters of the book. That the 60s, I I, I feel it did have this kind of sun experience, you know, this kind of um, um, uh, uh, uplifting element um some of which was manufactured without without a doubt it was it was manufactured in in a, in a way but you can't manufacture something that isn't there in, in to begin with you know um so the 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 time was ready for i guess after two world wars and after you know this kind of um you know social and uh um yeah, cultural devastation and just the 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 sense of the the feelings people must have had after these wars anyway, that the time was kind of ripe for something uplifting and positive, um, and um, I think the be the, the, the these four guys from Liverpool were were a, a kind of a catalyst for this. They were a vehicle to allow it to come about, 
but a vehicle to allow all the 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 people from who they represented, young people, working class people, basically anybody who could feel they could do this, you know, they could express themselves and they could write songs. And and it happened everywhere. It happened in, with Dylan, as you said, and it happened uh, with, you know, groups like the Beach Boys. And, you know, all these young people suddenly are playing music and writing songs. And it had never mm. happened before. So so that is an awakening in itself that suddenly, uh, and I think we, you and I, having grown up with that and even terry who was a musician himself at some oh, point did, was he uh, terry terry boardman that's yeah. uh so sean's referring Maybe. to terry who i interviewed in the last last episode i didn't realize he was a musician really yeah and oh. um you know and and um so we've i mean i grew up with everybody who i knew Played music, played the guitar, played. Yeah, yeah, same here. Me and all my mates. I mean, we were. All, I was also an Aussie into Aussie rules football, but apart from that, yeah. But we had a group of friends. We had a had a band. Yeah, this is the way way it was. Yeah, and and there was so many people around who wrote their own songs. And I mean, where I live today, like there's loads of people around, and they have songwriters nights everywhere, and people go and write songs, and and so in a way, it it has succeeded in we have all become composers and songwriters and are able to express ourselves that way. And I don't think that would be possible for everybody to have done that. I mean, you couldn't even get a guitar. I mean, you could play music, sure, but you didn't, I don't think, they. nobody wrote songs about right. how they felt or what they thought. or and, and now everybody nearly can, at least can do it. And a lot of people do do it. Um, even in even well, in Limerick, people didn't even do it. Even in Limerick, I mean, you, you live in a place called Limerick, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they write their own limericks. Um, it, it's full of young people who you know are they're all rappers and stuff now, you know. Um, but I think that in itself is a huge revolution, you know, that has kept go is still going. That the people have the ability to express themselves and. And to work things that are going on in inside them out through these, um, and and I and I, yeah, it's, a, it's something I might come back to, but I think that's kind of interesting that, but um, so I think it allowed that it allowed for and not just the Beatles, but you, you know you had suddenly working class actors, working class playwrights, working class filmmakers, all in the sixties, you know this. And and then women, women as well could suddenly start to write their own music or be in bands. And, and so the Beatles' appearance in Ed Sullivan show, like a just set off loads of girls wanting to be in bands as well and and um write their own music and and uh, and that kind of thing, which they hadn't done mm. done before really, you know. Yeah. Um so groups like that came like the Bangles or the Runaways or uh, Susie Quattro or you, you know they they uh, Blondie they um, they had this experience as well you know that oh I I could do that um, and that was because yeah, the Beatles showed them that they could do this you know um, and I've met people from you know who were a little bit old, older than me grew up with them and they were like 
yeah, we that's why we all joined bands and tried to start mm. playing music and because of the Beatles. Um, so uh, I think that's very important. Um, uh, uh, while you're talking there about this kind of, you know, we're not living in in kind of, you, you know, um, some kind of brotherhood and paradise that was promised through the 60s. Um, yeah, I think that seemed to, to in a way, uh, not succeed so so much. Um, and I I wonder about that. Yeah. I, so so I wonder was the 60s in a way and the other the shadow side of it to some extent to again distract us from this having this Christ experience and that is something that yeah it's possible that that whole cultural revolution was became in one way focused on um you know uh drugs and and fashion and the idea of uh, i suppose uh, and it happened because people had money and people could had more freedom to do th and so in a way they maybe are distracted by these materialistic things you know um and and that sounds a little bit like well you can only have a christ experience if you're kind of living in misery or something but um so and when it comes to to the whole drug culture, which was obviously pivotal to particularly the second half of of the Beatles' career, in a way, um, and the from nineteen sixty five on, I think in the sixties, you know, it was very drug heavy, um, and that in a way isn't isn't good, like. I don't think that's particularly good, but at the same time, I think those drug experiences allow one to break out of their the 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 paradigms and the conditionings that they're in, and in that sense, it is good. And I think in that sense, the Beatles and that culture began. So when Steiner started to introduce karma and um um reincarnation mm -hmm. into the west and it back into our consciousness it it became again something that the whole whole culture was aware of and understood because of the beatles own journey in that direction you know oh yeah 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 that i hadn't i hadn't thought about it that way yeah okay and so when it comes to the, you know, just to go to the look at the, the title of your book, um, Behind the Wall of Illusion, so that religious, esoteric and occult worlds of the Beatles, I always like to flag this up because a lot of people today talk about esoteric and occult, and they only use the words in, in completely negative, a negative sense. So uh, occult just means hidden. And, you know, I listen yep. to a lot of... Um, Jay Dyer, you haven't heard of him, but Jay Dyer, a, he's um, a philosopher and he's he's a cult, um, you know, he talks a lot about geopolitics, a lot about 
cultural phenomenon, film and stuff like that. And he's really, really great. Great thinker really understands the whole what's, what's been going on the last few years and more. Um, and, but on the, they're also, a lot of these people are, um, Orthodox Christians. So they're really going back to clinging on to the dogmas of, from the church. And I think, um, what they miss when, because they're always talking about the occult, the, the occult, 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 always in a negative sense. And of course it has got negative connotations in some ways, but it just means hidden. And I, I really want to get on there and say, Hey, look guys, uh, there's occult aspects to the Bible. There's a occult aspects to the rituals you're, you're performing every Sunday. Then <laughs> that just means there are hidden aspects to it. So just, I like to sort of demystify the word a little bit it just means hidden. And um, so just to come to that point, what, what do you mean by the religious esoteric and occult world of the Beatles or worlds of the Beatles? What, what do you, what are you referring to there? So I think with the esoteric, I'm yeah, referring to um things of a non-materialistic nature that um there are spiritual elements uh, at work behind these things. Um so so one of the chapters I call Beatlemania and the cult of Dionysus. So I, I think this um these elements of Dionysi Dionysian Apollinian elements are are very much part of this uh Beatles experience, you know. Um could you could you just for the for the listeners just explain a little bit about about what you mean by that, the Dionysus, etc. Yeah, so I think so I, I, I think in a way we we in, in some ways we live in this kind of Apollonian um a culture in a way which i think was very much focused on becoming conscious of ourselves um very much um re reasoning the philosophical thought even i i would say western music and how it developed is a kind of an apollinian um uh, uh kind of in, in an apollinian form and it and it's about us becoming aware of who we are as individuals, um, which is why I think you know, um, like so from Plato on, um, this this theme became part of the philosophical tradi tradition, where we can work start to work things out and 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 um, find answers for ourselves through through logic and reason, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that very much brings us into the I am here and the world is out there and I can I can understand it. And um so as Steiner's philosophy of freedom, I think part of it is he talks about thinking is our our experience of the world is we become separate from it and we can then start to to try to understand it. Um but there's a kind of another aspect which is we need to then come back into a relationship with everything else. Um, and this in a way, I think was the Dionysian element, um, reconnecting with the primordial forces of the world and feeling a connection with everybody and everything. And, um, it was, they're complicated, uh, subjects, but, um, I think in, in essence, 
that's the idea. And there's an intuitiveness to that Dionysian element. Um, and so in a way, music in a way is is intuitive, you know. Um, but it has become kind of part of this Apollinian stream in that we start to learn to write music and to read music and to theorize over music and to where the musical score or the written text becomes the music in a way, and nearly more important. And folk music and, and I think pop music doesn't really bother too much with that. It's more about just picking up the instrument or sitting down and playing it. And, you know, if you take the, the washboard and, uh, you know, uh, uh, put a, a string on a pole and you can make any sound and, yes. you know, it's intuitive and it's imaginative and it's all these elements and, uh, and people feel a, a togetherness with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, so in a way the Beatles started to bring this element into again, the common. So when, when people would go to the Dionysian rituals, everybody was welcome. You, if you're an outcast, if you were, you know, a slave or women particularly. So so it welcomed everybody in and everybody felt part of this one oneness. And so and then Dionysus would get ripped limb from limb and uh there's this element to it. And so kind of the tearing up, you know, the Beatles or the tearing up the hair and all these I, I think these Dionysian elements were beginning to rise again in in the culture that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting take yeah because um uh again a lot of people that i hear talking about this kind of stuff now when they refer back to the sort of you know pagan cults that took place and pagan pagan uh rituals and and things like that they're always looking them looking at them in terms of today and saying you know that was just pure evil that was you know it's this occult evil connection all the time but they they never kind of meant they never and this is where stein is really it's where stein is really really helpful because he puts it in the sense of the evolution of consciousness you know so things that went on back back then um were you know right for the time uh, for that group of people right for that particular culture but um, not necessarily right for now. But you, that's not what you're saying. You're not saying it's um, we're now going to be performing these rituals again. You're you're just saying, well, what what? How would you explain it? What you're saying about it? Yeah, I think what you're saying is true. Yeah, they were they all of these things were considered evil because they were a part of the evolution of consciousness. We had to like so so Plato's Republic. Plato says. The pipes, which were the 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 instrument of the satires, which were Dionysian, were were put outside the Republic. They didn't want them in the Republic. They right, wanted yes. only the lyre. They only wanted the lyre, which was Apollo's instrument, and this was the instrument of pure tone in a way. There, there's no body in the instrument, you know. Um. So you're into the world of mathematics and purity and this Apollonian way of of de- developing and and that was necessary we needed to do that because we needed to develop our eye consciousness and we needed to develop capitalism and go this is mine and it's not yours and we needed to de- to develop that so we could become individuals and now that we have become individuals we need to recognize 
the individual and in, in everyone and the community needs to recognize the importance of the individual and the individual needs to recognize their place in the community as, as Steiner said and uh, so this Dionysian element that brings us back into community I think now is and Nietzsche talks about this in his birth of tra tragedy this element needs to come back or we'll end up becoming I think we'll become disconnected from humanity we'll become so isolated in our own self through probably computers and the, and and this Dionysian element possibly needs to come back into culture. And I think the 60s allowed this to some extent. And um, and it allowed it for everybody. So wh whether you were rich or poor, man or woman, girl, boy, it, it, everyone was welcome to this, take part in this. And I and I think that's why the be you know it was universal. I mean, you know, um I think George Harrison mentioned, you know, they the 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 college students loved John, the, the teeny boppers loved Paul, the uh the the mystics loved George and the grannies loved Ringo. And uh there's <laughs> there's all of the represent the representative. You know, the, the children and the grannies loved loved Ringo. So you know, and they had songs for everybody. They had songs for children. So when people say, well, you have Yellow Submarine and Octopus's Garden, you know, they're just children's songs. Child yeah, they are. They're songs for children, in a way. And they had songs for um, people who wanted to think a little bit. And they had songs for people who just wanted a nice tune. And they had songs for people who wanted to become more interested in uh, in, in Eastern mysticism or... Um, and they had songs that I think were, I mean, Lennon writes a song called The Word, you know, in the beginning. I misunderstood, now I've got it and the word is love. So it, it's the essence of John's gospel there. And I think they were deeply religious in many in many ways um, because they grew up in a culture that was, was religious, you know. Um, and like a lot of young people, they, they, they reject what they have grown up with, and that's what they did. And I think they look to America, they look to consumerism and, and these and fame, and they realized they were kind of empty. And then they look to ways of trying to expand their consciousness through through um through drugs. And and I think that's in a way, it's a healthy thing to do, in a way, because it's um it could lead you towards anthroposophy or to um other other places that but it's dangerous as well it can open up doors and it can lead you into places that you don't want to go but you know so can walking down the road one day you know you know you can end up somewhere you didn't want to end up um you have to venture outside your comfort zone i suppose and and i think they did that and people went along with them and the culture was going that way and then i think they ended up in, in meditation and in india and, and in ideas of karma and reincarnation and suddenly people started trying to understand what these ideas were in a very naive way you know it, it's naive without without a doubt but it's somewhere to start um and i think 
um, particularly G George and, and, and John Lennon continued on trying to find find something that was was deeper. Um, and I know they came across Anthroposophy because the fool who was one of the Dutch groups that did artwork for them were kind of interested in Anthroposophy and I, I'm I'm I know they were had come across Theosophy and things like that. Um and, and they're their own individuals who that's that's a different thing. I I how deeply they all went into these areas um and where they could go individually is is that's a different story you know um and i think uh, i think george harrison very much um grasps ideas um spiritual scientific ideas unfortunately i i think it's too bound up with with india in a way in some ways um and i think so, so that's what I mean by the esoteric. And also, I think even the band themselves, you can see a representation of Steiner's, the 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 human form, the human being in fourfold nature and the etheric, the physical, the astral, the ego. I think it's represented there in that band with Lennon as the ego, uh, McCartney as the, the astral, um, George as the etheric mystic, and Ringo as you're just the drummer keeping the beat and wow you know, that's cool i mean that, that that is that is great i've never thought i would never have thought of that um that's really great i but think that's what, why, yeah go on i think that's why they were successful because they are a representation of the human being in a way and so that's why every they were so easy to relate to do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. No, I mean, it's great. Yeah, and everyone could relate. That That is the amazing thing. Everyone had their favorite. Everyone, yeah. you know, liked this one, liked that one. And they, so they were know. able to write songs for everyone. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, you've got the children's songs. You've got songs for older people. You've got songs for rebellious teenagers. It's, you've got you've got the whole lot. And um, yeah, I don't so, know. So, I think so go, go on. I think you see. I, I'm not. I'm not really saying it's, you know, John and George and Paul were some kind of initiates. That you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that they just were vehicles that came together. But the nature of which they came together represented how things are in its kind of nearly um, perf perfect form, in its spiritual form, and that's why it was such a force, and. We often hear of this thing called the fifth beetle. And of course, with the four, there's always the, the fifth element or the quintessential aspect. So when this four come together, you get this, it's it's there's the fifth element. Um, and some people call that in a way the, the Holy Spirit could now enter and you have this uh, perfect form. I suppose the five pointed star or you know the human form again mm -hmm. and uh and i think that's again why they were such a, a force so so it's the force it's like like a christ-like force that works is working through this period and they were a kind of a um just a vehicle for that and it's interesting i think that 
again, it's possible. So when when just the occult aspect, I I'm really trying to refer to occult there, yeah, in its hidden sense, but also more so in its negative connotation where there were darker forces. I think that uh, when anything when when there's any light there that that's when darker forces are drawn towards it and they mm -hmm. want to manipulate it and they want to distort it and they want to lead it where they can lead it because dark forces cannot lead something that isn't there and, and the light mm -hmm. brings it into into being and then it is be, is able to be, be to be manipulated and um and i think that happened on on, on in their own individual lives in their own selves and i think it happened on a, a cultural level and i think some very dark forces entered into that period um and it really destroyed it really destroyed it um and whether that was supposed to happen you know it only had its own lifespan um or whether it could have developed into something else is hard to say. Um, but it definitely suddenly just died in 69, I think. And I think even you can see that 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 whole death, that the birth uh and the growth and the decay of the 60s through through the Beatles, through the albums, through their their relationship with themselves and with the public. So by the time you get to I think the white album, it's very clear everything is is falling apart, you know. And um by the time you get to get back, it's just it's 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 over. It's nearly a dinosaur, you know. Right, yeah. Um so could you say something to this? I've heard a few from a few different people about um John uh, he had a conversation with someone, like just to get into specifics a little bit more. John had a conversation with someone where they suggested that, hey, you guys, the Beatles, you're you're controlled. Don't don't you realize you're controlled that you know that they're using you they're using you basically. I don't know, is it the 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 um uh the CIA or whatever are, are actually using you? Could you say anything to that? Yeah. Is that yeah, Marshall McLuhan, I think you're oh, referring right, to yeah. had told that was it. Yeah, I told John Lennon that he there was kind of a useless idiot, a useful idiot in a way that they had used them to um, propagate their own particular agendas, etc. Um, to to bring these this this drug culture about that would cause chaos and right. Uh, and there's a book called Acid Dreams, which is about the CIA's involvement with them, and there is a lot of speculation fairly grounded i think about timothy leary being associated with the cia and and other other people um to do with the mansons and that whole laurel canyon area and as i said you know shadowy forces that came in and tried to manipulate and, and bring it about in in particular direction but it brings us back to an earlier point of and this is something terry talked about in your interview before about the Anglo-American relationship where the, the Americans took over from the British to um, as the, the guiding force in this cultural epoch. 
And I think in a way, the, this relationship between the British invasion, etc., was, I think, pretty much from the beginning, a, a cementing of the relationship between Britain and America through through the youth culture in these groups. Right. Now, I, I, I feel that this was, a, at the same time, something that was allowed by the higher spiritual forces to happen because America had to become the, the dominant the dominant force and Britain had to it had to become close to Britain not just through wars and, and politics but on a cultural level and so I think the Beatles were 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 supposed to do that as were a lot of the British groups that came over from a, an esoteric point of view in other words spiritually they were a, that was a door that was open was a had to open but politically i i i think certain political um um minds um knew they had to cement this relationship um but it that's got nothing to do with the capacities in a way of the the individuals who wrote that music or right. or where yeah. it streamed from into them um and it, and it's it's kind of hard to know like um i mean how how good they were as songwriters and musicians is is, is kind of a mystery because they they didn't seem to have been particularly great to begin with and were all of the songs and music that was given to them in a way gifts that that came to them and um and in a way i think they they talk about this a lot you know that the ideas just came. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of phenomenal, isn't it, when you look at the amount of material they wrote and how the quality of of so much of it. It's just ridiculous. It's like, I mean, I know that they forged they forged a lot of things, how they played together and everything in Hamburg. I lived I lived in yeah. Hamburg for four and a half years and um, was always kind of excited that it was a Beatles city. But um, you know, they they played. You know, the the, the story goes that they. They played, I don't know, what was it, 16-hour days of playing <laughs> playing constantly, and they really forged something. But that doesn't explain how you then become these incredible songwriters that, that write such great songs and write so many of them, does it? No. So, so whether they had karmically, you know, prepared themselves for this incarnation to be such good songwriters, but... I definitely think, you know, they there was music that was given to them for to to as a healing force, as a to move the culture along, to make this connection between Britain and America much stronger culturally, um, and um, certainly they they obviously have had gifts because when they when they split up and went their own ways and they they were still able to write very very good songs but definitely not with the same um level of you know heart forces or connection that they had when they were with the beatles um and um but dylan it was the same you were talking about dylan earlier you know you just think just a phenomenal amount of songs and 
you know, they're so simple as well, particularly with Dylan. You know, you're just yeah. thinking, but they're so simple. How does he how does he get all these? And and I think they all kind of seem to say they don't really know. They just just kind of happens for them. And so it's just like they're kind of antennas or something for this to to happen, you know. And um I think it was very rich, you know, very, very rich musically, all these kids really suddenly writing all these I mean there's loads of these you know there's the Brian Wilson there's um you know even groups like uh you know the mamas and the papas are are um the love and spoonful or you know Donovan or you know there's just so many of them with these all these these wonderful the songs and um so uh yeah it was very rich i think and um but i i do think uh they started to be kind of manipulated and used and for many reasons for money for politics for other occult reasons um maybe you could go into that a little bit for us so, you know uh, i don't know where you want to start it's probably a big topic to to get into at this point but um you know, who was trying to use them? Why were they trying to use them? How were they using them? Um, maybe you just want to pick one, one of those, whether it's governmental or occult. I mean, what, what are the occult, the dark, dark side of the occult trying to do with them, trying to use them for, do you think? Um, well, I think, yeah. So I, I, at the same time, while karma and reincarnation and these things, came through to Western culture to a large extent popularized through the Beatles a relationship with the Maharishi and with the Hare Krishnas and um with I mean I mean they very bravely I think were on programs like the David Frost show. Um I'm not sure if you're aware of that show, but it was a huge show in Britain. I've heard I've heard of it, yeah, but um, yeah. So John and George are on at one point talking about um, uh, reincarnation, karma, and reincarnation, and and meditation, and these things. Right. And I mean, George is twenty five at the time. It's very interesting to you can you can see it on YouTube. You know. Uh, and I mean, it's so profound, a 25-year-old, like, talking about something to an audience who, this is just like, you know, not at all part of their tradition. You're not going to sit down on a, a, whatever evening it was, Saturday evening, and suddenly this 25-year-old is suddenly talking about carbon reincarnation in a very, you know, Church of England country. And, amazing, and very amazing. particularly talking about it. I mean, very complex language, and but very eloquently. I mean, it's it's really impressive. I I think, um, because most twenty five year olds are are not thinking about that really, you know. Um, and uh, but to be able to articulate it as well, and and talk about, and I I think George really, you know, it became very for him very important to think about why you're here and where you're going and um 
what's your purpose in life and how do you evolve and fulfill your potential and these kind of things it was really really important and uh and we we and, and i think to some extent television and that provided that a little bit to to that period um where you would see actors like i remember seeing an interview with richard todd who was one of these kind of you know war movie actors like um or people like richard burton and people like that and they would talk very eloquently about art and culture and th you know things uh that were you know not just trivial nonsense they, they were serious conversations and it was very healthy to have these conversations and to be able to follow them and to um you know develop your capacity to to think and listen and um so i you know that's very profound i think and and both of them are there talking about this and i talk about the christ consciousness and they talk about talk about these things however unfortunately i think what that has done is allowed for all these eastern influences to come in that in a way from an anthroposophical point of view um are right for india and right for that the makeup of those people and for the time that it was there but quite detrimental for the western individual um and so from that perspective i think they were used um to let you know naively to allow these shadowy forces to come in and and suddenly we have yoga and you know all sorts of meditation things that we, i don't think western individual is understands is made for um has a grasp of properly and yeah that, and that that's yeah that's an interesting point i often talk to people about this in my work sort of um spiritual development mentoring kind of work that i do um and it's not that we're saying that meditation's a bad thing we're not saying that the religions of the east and the eastern way of thinking is a bad thing in any way shape or form but what we've done with meditation for example is we've just you know like yanked it out of its cultural context out of its historical context out of its um religious context and just sort of plonked it over here and said oh those monks over there look happy let's let's do what they're doing but um without sort of the the grounding because i mean the goal of meditation is really spiritual awakening and spiritual awakening isn't necessarily a pleasant happy peaceful experience often you know the buddhists talk about stirring up the sediment at the at the bottom of the glass is what you're doing with meditation in a sense and so what um what steiner was able to do was to give the west or give back to the west its own meditative path which you know um keeps the intellectual development of the west but enhances it in a sense you could say and um yeah i just want to just want to make that clear to to people listening it's not anything negative about um what we've taken from the east at all it's just the way we've done it <laughs> and yeah i get yeah. what you mean it's really um it can lead to all sorts of problems and i mean lots of people uh who come into my sphere with my work come and say look i i've been trying to meditate for 20 years and i can't do it or they've had um 
you know, schizophrenic uh, tendencies due to what they what happened with meditation. You mentioned um, drugs before, yeah. and sometimes drugs, you know, do lead to a, a widening of consciousness, but they can also go the complete opposite way, obviously, and lead to yeah. mental illness and all kinds of things. So I really like the way you've brought that up, though, this, you know, this image of George on, on there, on this mainstream, you know, well, there was only mainstream TV back then, I suppose, but there he is talking to the whole country, probably the UK, um, people sitting down to have their dinner and listening to him. Uh, and there he is talking about reincarnation and karma. It's just incredible really that, that he was able to do that and that what that did, but yeah, it's had its negative consequences as well as, bringing the positive concept of the idea into the West. Yeah. yeah. And so I think if you write the idea of carbon reincarnation, again, from an anthroposophical point of view, humanity is ready in, in the West to receive this idea again. Um, and that's why Rudolf Steiner um, talked about it and talked about it quite a lot. And, mm -hmm. um, so if he's talking about it in the 19, early 1900s um, to, to a select audience in a way, you know, um, yes. I presume middle-class theosophists and things like that, it's not, it's not particularly open to, um, and I'm, I'm not saying Steiner didn't want to, to tell other people, they, they just weren't ready for, you know, these, this was his audience. And mm -hmm. so, in a way, George Harrison and John Lennon appearing on this show for the whole nation of Britain and probably the, the whole world in a way um, listening to these to these people who were, were, were extremely well known at this so to now bring what Steiner was talking about, you know, 60 or 70 years earlier to the to the consciousness of of the whole culture is, I mean, that, that in itself is, is to me, uh, a, a, a mission accomplished there, you know? Right. Yes. Um, yeah. mm. That people can now consider this notion and yes. think, Oh, and they, and they can go and, and look for themselves and find out for themselves. And I'm sure many people who heard that go, who go off and find out about karma and reincarnation will, some of them will have come across Rudolf Steiner's lectures on karma and reincarnation. Um, but until this idea is introduced, dark forces can't manipulate it or do anything with it. So I think, in a way, it has brought about all sorts of stuff. And I don't think the Beatles were aware enough at all that they were being used like this or these forces could come in and... and and cause havoc in their own in their own lives in their own environments and uh, cause damage as well on, on on another level, as with as with the the drugs um, and things like that. But certainly, things couldn't have stayed the way they were at the, at the beginning of the sixties. It was you know there was an awakening. There was suddenly uh, you know going from singing songs about wanting to hold your hand to, you know, different states of consciousness and 
um, and um, uh, all, all sorts of other ideas, you know, um, and and principally the concept of love, I think, then which becomes central to particularly to their music, really, but particularly from a lyrical point of view, Lennon. So when you say all you need is love, again, you're back to the word of, of Jesus Christ. And there's no getting away from that. That's the message. Well, that think, that yeah. is sorry, go that's on. the that I think is the principal message of the whole Beatles career is all is all you need is love, really, you know. Um but again it gets it gets used and, and abused and twisted and from these as I said, these forces. Um I I heard there the other day somebody talking about the BBC was developed by Tavis, you know, was funded by Tavistock and MI5 and things like that as a means to control the masses. Um and I think there's probably a huge amount of truth in that because anyone who wants to have control over the masses is going to use uh, whatever means possible. And um, But it doesn't mean that they invented television and they invented all these things to, to you know, it, it came about and they thought, well, this is a good way to program people um, just as they've been programming people in other ways through through newspapers and before. Um, you know, I think that I think that's a really good point because that brings us back to when people are saying, I think, and I'm guilty of this myself, but you know, you hear, well, I grew up thinking the Beatles were, were great, brilliant, loved them, wonderful. And then you hear that these darker sides to the tale and then you flip over to the other side and you think, Oh, they're all bad. And it was all evil and rock music and everything like that. Um, and you sound like some sort of fundamentalist and, but it, it's so, there's so many subtleties to it. There's it's, there's so many gray areas and it's not just, you know, this person's bad, that person's good and, or, or this, this movement's good and this movement's bad. You just can't do that. And so I think what you've done uh, with this chat tonight is really, go into these things in a, in a non-dogmatic way. And I think what you came to just before where John's, John's lyrics, all you need is love is really, um, you know, can, can be seen as the theme of the whole thing. And I mean, yeah, it's, that's been used and, and everything good can be used in a, in a negative way, can't it? But I think, I think what you've come to there is, uh, yeah, what you've presented is a really good balance throughout this. I really look forward to reading the well, book. I mean, um, if we think of Christianity, I mean, what other, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the the impulse for all of humanity, but it's been twisted and used and distorted exactly more yeah. than anything else. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, and and so I, I, I don't want people to think that, you know, the Beatles are writing a book to say, the Beatles are are, you know, some kind of Christ beans. You know, I'm not. They're just they're just four guys from a working class neighborhood. But that's what's kind of interesting is that, it, and that's what I mean. They weren't like princes in the, in the sense they weren't 
remarkable figures through history that have carried an impulse. They were just ordinary blokes from Liverpool mm. who, and so I think this impulse, all you need is love, is being grasped um, by, by um, you, you know, fully, fully grasped by the, by the common person, you know? It's it's not a love of family or nation or these things. It's a it's a Lenin is understanding it as a as a as a Christ force. I think as a as a universal bro brotherhood. You know, he's he's understanding it in himself because I think he's gone through these experiences of um, being a working class. The guy that nobody is interested in to suddenly being a, a rock star to suddenly being, you know, extremely famous, um, uh, um, you, you know, an artist, um, very rich, um, and and realizing and I think so. There's a chapter in the book, you know, bigger than G Christ, you know, it ain't easy, the bigger than Jesus fiasco for them, mm -hmm. and I and I think Lenin, in a sense, at that time probably did think they were bigger than Jesus in the way that I mean, they made all these excuses that I wasn't saying that I was talking about. Yeah, I think mm. there's that, but I think in a way they were so huge and, and they were being pulled at and um, people wanted to touch them. And, you know, just so you can imagine how the Luciferic element just is, you know, and, and throw some drugs in there and, and, um, you know, megalomania. So, so I think, in a way, he probably did think that, um, and was suddenly brought back down to earth with a land. And I think after that, I think he went through experiences of of um, actually, you, you you know, I think it's interesting through the songs where he sings help. You, you know, he's screaming for help because he's in a total state of despair. Um. And he has a line in that, which I only realized when I was writing the book. Um, and, and now I find I've changed, my, I've changed my mind. I've opened up the door. And um, and I think it was his written around that, that he sang that they had recorded that song at some point, but he went in later and redid the lyric. And I think he had, he, he was either aware of Huxley's Doors of Perception um, right. the idea of dr drugs opening up. So he's changed his mind and he's opened up the door. So he's he's trying to expand his consciousness and become, to understand the world uh, on a deeper level um, because he's in a state of suffering, really. Like he, he realizes the world is, the physical world we live in is, is a world of, of, of suffering and and the only way out is through some kind of transcendence, I suppose. Um, but after that album, he writes the song, the word, and I. So I think at some point he's he's connected somehow that this is the only real answer to to the suffering, you know. And within two within two years, he's I think re fully realized. This this is the only answer. I I don't think by any means he realized it in his own self. Mm -hmm.
but was was really grasping it. You know, he's he was understanding. I think what this message is, this Christ message is about love. I think he, I I get the feeling they they experienced everything that you could experience. That the that the it just comes down to love. There, <laughs> the money and the fame and the the songs and the adulation and the it just isn't it's it's really yeah this whatever this is this is is something beyond these and, and i think they they did experience something like that i think particularly leonard and harrison felt cl got close to that somehow i think yeah fascinating yeah well i think um that might be a good place to to wind it up. I mean, I could ask you a million other things. I think what, what I'd like to do is read the book and then uh, have a chat to you again in a few months time and, and ask you some questions. Yeah. Cause we didn't get onto a, a thing. I, just, just going through the um, contents. I just saw Paul is dead <laughs> or, you know, that, that question. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, I did ask you about John uh, realizing that the Beatles were possibly being used. Um, oh, you mentioned something about, um, which we have to get to next time as well. But um, the Beatles arriving in the States, was it just after JFK or just after one of the Kennedy yeah. assassinations? But anyway, let, let's leave that for next time. Um, yeah. Sean, thank you very much for the chat tonight. I mean, these your what you have knowledge of brings so many things together for me, uh, being uh, someone who's been you know, involved in anthroposophy for over 20 years now and then, being a singer songwriter and musician and so um just seeing seeing your book and hearing about you when you got in touch was just like oh wow this this brings a lot of uh, amazing things together for me so thank you very much for the chat tonight and um is there somewhere that people can find your writings easily and buy your books and get in contact with you or uh yeah well i can that that book is um due for release on April the 21st, actually, um, through, through Amazon or any, so Claire, Clairview Press, which is an imprint of Rudolf Steiner Press. Um, you go to their website, um, or yeah, I think Amazon or anywhere like that should have it. Okay. The other great. books are, Amazon or, you know, Okay, great. Usual. Well, um, I'll put some links into the, into the description in the video anyway, so that people can, can find you. And um, other than that, I just often say at the end here as well, um, if people are interested in helping to support this podcast so I can keep continuing to make these episodes, then you can support me over at Subscribestar. Uh, it's subscribestar.com slash Mick Young. And other than that, Sean, thanks very much for joining me and look forward to talking to you again soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks very much, Mick. That was a great pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on even though I, I i asked you to have me on but thanks for having me on absolute pleasure thanks very much mate take care thanks very much for listening to the spiritual scientist podcast if you'd like to support the show you can make a one-time donation via paypal or if you'd like to become a member you can make a recurring donation via subscribe star the podcast can be found on all good podcast platforms like apple spotify and google and the video format can be found on odyssey rumble bitshoot brighteon and youtube thanks very much for watching bye for now